Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photo shoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Synesthesia. I am Enrico, as usual, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to today's guest, Kelsey McClellan. Kelsey is a photographer based in San Francisco, whose commissions have been featured in several influential magazines and newspapers. Today, she's here with us to talk about her first music-related project, her collaboration with creative genius Charles Bear, whom most of you might know as his musical alter ego of Toro Moi. This year, Kelsey and Charles worked together on the cover of his latest single, Ordinary Guy, and on a photo shoot for its exhibition, Someone, Anyone, currently on display at the New Image Art Gallery in LA. But now we leave LA and virtually fly to the Bay Area to welcome her. Hi, Kelsey, how are you doing? Hi, thanks, I'm great. How is your first pandemic Thanksgiving going? Uh, good so far. It will just be me and my partner at home, so. It's sunny in San Francisco, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's like nice 60s and you know, we all have one season a year here, so Have you nice. been working on anything exciting in the past few weeks? Um, I've been doing a lot of editorial commissions lately, like for the New York Times, so that's been fun. I've been busy with them, so um, this week is like my first kind of week of some downtime where I can just edit some other projects I've been working on. So we are looking forward to seeing this new project. Yeah. So Kelsey, I contacted you because I am myself a big fan of your work and I've been following you on Instagram for years. So I want to take advantage of this interview to get to know more about your background. Uh, can you recall your very first shot? Yeah, um, I guess it was when I was a teenager, like I have this classic story that most photographers do, I feel like, where their dad gave them an old camera of theirs. So my dad gave me his old film camera and I started taking like long night exposures. Um, I grew up in Ohio, so it was really quiet in the suburbs. So it was like easy to just walk around at night and take pictures in the middle of the road. No one was there. I am really attracted by um, rural America. So yeah. I would like to ask you, what were the subjects? Were you taking pictures of neon lights at night, diners? Yes. Yeah, a lot of the classic things like, you know, stupid things like uh, telephone pole lights and like, power lines and things like that. And then I started like putting my friends in them, like they would dress up in weird outfits and I would take long exposures with like different street lights, kind of mixing with ambient light. So it was fun to play around and my friends were like very, you know, willing subjects, obviously we would just spend hours messing around. How many years ago did you start? Um, that was when I was about 14, so a long time ago, 16 years ago. And then you left uh, Ohio and moved to um, uh, where for college? Yeah, I, went, I actually went to college in Ohio. Um, I went to the Columbus College of Art and Design, which is a, just a private art school. 
and I studied painting and drawing for two years and then majored in photography. Did you belong to any subcultures at the time? Not really, I was like pretty boring. <laughs> uh, I was a really big fan of anime, I guess, so I was in the anime club and things like that. Anime are loved by most of my guests. Uh -huh. <laughs> I would say that like five out of the ten people I've interviewed so far uh, in their youth, they were reading a lot of anime comics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up with Sailor Moon and things like that, so pretty important to my upbringing. Yeah, and did you have uh, any American or international photographers uh, who inspired you at the beginning of your career? At the time, not really. Like, I was just kind of doing my own thing and seeing what came out of it. Um, you know, like, Instagram wasn't around then, and I wasn't very active on Flickr or, like, Tumblr yet, so... I wasn't really like aware of a lot of what was going on, which is probably a good thing. Not even the masters of North American photography like Stephen Shore, for instance. Yeah, I actually didn't know of Stephen Shore until like later in college, which is interesting because now I'm a huge fan. I like Annie Leibovitz and pretty standard things, you know, very obvious photographers everyone knew. Yes, but still, for sure they had a, an influence at some point on you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I loved like Annie's Rolling Stone work and like I was kind of more interested in photojournalism, like when I was learning, that just seemed more interesting and authentic to me. Like I didn't really know that like still life photography was you know as diverse as it is and as accessible. So you expanded and explored the new techniques when you left Ohio and moved to San Francisco? Yeah so after school I worked in-house in Columbus for a while but then moved to San Francisco almost six years ago. Yeah straight from Ohio. That was a crucial junction in your career wasn't it? Very much yes. I didn't really know like how much of the photo market existed in just larger cities so I felt like in order to grow my career or really have a career outside of just working in-house I had to be in a larger market so I wanted to move to either like LA, San Francisco or New York. I must uh, tell the audience uh, that I found out about your work uh, when I visited San Francisco and I was uh, taking long walks uh, in the Sunset District and I fell in love with the colors of the houses and especially with the topiris and so I was looking on Instagram a photographer who shared this passion that I had the topiris and I bumped into your pictures and that was a classic Insta follow and I've been really falling in love with your work and now I would like to talk about your practice of walk because I'm pretty sure that these pictures you took are the outcome of very long walks in San Francisco, aren't they? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I guess especially now, like since stay in place mandates and whatnot, um, beginning in March, uh, like a lot of my jobs were canceled earlier this year and like not a lot of work was coming in. So walking around my neighborhood was the best thing to do with my time. So I would walk for about like four hours <laughs> at a time, like just leave my house and try to walk a different span of blocks for a day like I would the streets are kind of split up nicely here where it's like numerical from east to west and then alphabetical from north to south so I would just kind of chunk it off like today I'm gonna do L through M 30th or 40th and just walk that pretty slowly um and I walk around with the same camera that I use in studio which is a Pentax 645Z so it's like really heavy and big it's medium format and then I also carry around a flash 
I just use like little Godox flashpoints, the 8200, so it's like easy enough to just hold in your hand with the camera. And I always use a zoom lens. It's like equivalent to a 100 millimeter on the Pentax, keeping those like really like tight focuses on things, because that's kind of when I'm looking at objects and just things on the street, that's kind of how I see it, like just kind of small details. So I like that. We can talk, for instance, about your series, if this is a nice, what is? I am on a gatan. I like the pictures, but also the reference. And that series perfectly shows your obsession with the everyday life details. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you get the reference, because since I'm from Ohio, I mean, he's a huger, which is neighbors, so. <laughs> Nice. He's one of my favorite uh, novelists. Yeah. And also as an illustrator, I think he was great. Mm -hmm. So good. I think of that quote all the time when I'm walking around. Maybe we look uh, at the world in a very similar ways. So uh, would you say that moving to San Francisco was uh, uh, crucial for you to develop your unique style, starting to look at the world with these uh, eyes? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, before I moved here, most of what I made was stuff in studio where I could control the world and what it looked like. Um, so it was really nice to come here and the world just as it is, is just as striking, if not more striking, because it just exists. You don't have to build it. Um, so that was really fun to experience. What's the nicest thing about San Francisco? That visual detail that makes it stand out from other cities? I like how dense it is and hills are so nice and like, I guess dense isn't the right word. It's just a pretty small city, but compact. And I like how well it's mixed with nature, obviously. I think that's why a lot of people choose to live here because you're right on the coast and there's beautiful hikes everywhere. And the fog is also really amazing. And the house colors. Because... <laughs> yeah, and the pastel houses out here. It's sad to kind of be witnessing um, the neighborhood changing a bit since everything's so expensive and there's a lot of rich people here. So a lot of the houses in this neighborhood are starting to sell for, you know, almost $2 million. And then the people that move in are kind of like changing the character of the neighborhood, like by painting the houses gray or black and like modernizing it instead of just keeping it the way it is. In a very boring way. Almost. Yeah, so boring. I am sorry to hear that. We need to introduce the main topic of conversation. When you take your walks uh, in San Francisco, do you listen to any music in the background? Uh, yes, I usually do. It's either music or podcast, but usually music. Yeah, I guess it depends on the mood I'm in. Um, at the start of Stay In Place, I distinctly remember that new Fiona album. Fiona Apple album came out, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. So I turned that on. So I like a lot of Fiona Apple kind of comes up in my mind when I'm walking some of the streets now, just cause I like, I started with the new album and then I just went backwards and listened to everything. Cause she was pretty influential to me growing up also. Her new album is widely considered as one of the best ones from 20. Yeah, so good. So we have to mention Tore Moi. Let's talk about this collaboration with Charles. So how did two of the most talented young artists in the Bay Area meet? Um, he actually just emailed me out of the blue one day saying like, hey, I love your work. Do you want to take pictures sometime? And I was like, whoa, of course, that's amazing. So he called me and we just kind of talked about what the pictures could be. Like he just said, hey, can you take portraits of me for some kind of promo material or like he didn't really have anything in mind at the time. 
Um, and I was like, yes, of course, like, what do you want it to look like? And he was like, can we do it like your neighborhood pictures? It's <laughs> like, you want to look like a topiary? Okay. Um, so yeah, then like a week or so later, he was like, I would like this to go with my new single coming out. So he sent me a link to the song before it was released so I could hear it and kind of you know, be inspired by it. I do believe it's not a coincidence that the song we're talking about is entitled Ordinary Guy, because your photos look like they are ordinary, but at the same time, they are not ordinary at all. Yeah, totally. And that's the very feeling that I had when I looked at your pictures for the first time. I remember, for instance, also the Wardrobe Snacks uh, series. Mm -hmm. How do you make the vernacular look extraordinary? I feel like I don't make anything look extraordinary. I feel like the things I already do, and it's just you have to look at it in the right way or just, you know, pay enough attention and you'll see it. And obviously lighting helps a lot. Like I like to walk around when it's sunny and then I try to also light like it's sunny. So I think that combination helps. So for uh, this specific brief from Toro et Moi, how did you apply your creative process? Yeah, that was fun. He wanted to start in the studio and usually I'm very like, when I do studio shoots, I'm a meticulous planner. Like I'll sketch out what the photos will look like and what backgrounds and things I want to use. But for this, I kind of left it more open and spontaneous and just worked with what I already had, which I think worked out really well. Like he just kind of showed up with all, like he brought some different clothes and things he wanted to wear. And then I was like, well, I have all of these surfaces we could try. And he was like, oh, this would be great. So like we kept the whole thing pretty collaborative and loose which I think made it more fun and just like easy because Toro is pretty, I guess, jazz, <laughs> pretty relaxed, so. Yeah, he's uh, super relaxed, but also super funky. Toro Ima is for sure the perfect artist to keep working on your obsession with color, those vivid, bright, shiny, saturated colors that mirror and at the same time transcend reality. Yeah, definitely. And he's also like, when people asked me how it went, I was like, you know, when you just meet someone and you feel like you've been friends for a while, like nothing is forced or awkward or like uncomfortable. It's just like easy to talk to them because they're so like relaxed and like kind of a similar like wavelength to you, to your energy. So that makes things much better and like made the collaboration, I think, just super smooth. So you went out in the Sunset District and you basically freestyled. Yeah, totally. Like, um, I, when I go take pictures in the neighborhood with my camera, I try to also take pictures on my iPhone because it then geotags the location. So I could like go back to like see which, you know, driveways and trees were like nice colors. So it was easy for us to like go to the exact spots that would look good in the photos. So we just picked like four spots and took pictures there. So you said that uh, he did his own uh, styling, didn't he? His stylings were perfect because uh, they are really colorful, like yeah. you. So I have a friend, his name is George Dennis, and he's a big fan of your work. We were talking about you, and mm -hmm. he said that you create a Technicolor dream world. He was wondering whether maybe you have this um, treatment of colors to escape, to react to the darkness of the global news cycle, or just as a way of coping yeah i don't know if it's a way of coping but i think it's just kind of like i'm an optimist in general like i try to 
see the good things. And I've just always appreciated color. I don't know if I would think of it as combating like negativity or like coping with horrible news, which is definitely a thing. But I like kind of take myself out of it and just focus on what I do love. Maybe if the effect your pictures have on people, because I've been reading the comments your followers leave on your Instagram account. Mm -hmm. And I highlighted some of these comments. One guy mentioned uh, this ASMR effect for a. Uh, yeah, that one was funny, yeah. And another one said, Every time you post your work is a bright spot in my day. I love your emphasis and control of color. You make the mundane wonderful. So, probably subconsciously, that's what's happening. People escape through your pictures. Yeah, which is funny because it is just real things. So they are very real, but dreamlike uh, at the same time. Uh, do you feel like there is a trend nowadays in the um, contemporary arts scene of escapism culture? So tie dye, fluorescent colors, glittery artworks that are really rich in color. Oh yeah, definitely. What do you think about it? Um, I really like it because I think like combining unexpected colors is really fun and. I guess like abstract art has always been around, but I like where it's going now. You just uh, said that your pictures uh, portray very real uh, subjects, but for um, the someone, anyone exhibition photo shoot, on the other hand, <laughs> left the mundane behind for pictures that are much more conceptual. How did you approach that photo shoot? Um, yeah, so that was Chaz saying like he had this show coming up and he told me a little bit about it, how it's called Someone Anyone, so he wanted to stay anonymous. Um, and the figure, figures were him and his wife, Sam. So he wanted to get those like suits um, to kind of represent the figures in his paintings, which are just these like blobby bodies. And then we just picked out colors and things and they like <laughs> goofed around. So it was fun. And yeah, it felt really different from the work I usually make and the work we made before, which was, you know, just more portraiture of him. It was nice to go outside, like to that park nearby, because he wanted the like kind of abstract bodies to be in the like natural world. So they were like very contrasted. Um, so that's why we did the pictures like in front of water and the trees, um, which feels pretty different from the paintings, which like, you know, are just abstract color worlds. Do you have any favorite uh, subject to shoot? You do people, you do food, you do still life. We haven't talked about uh, your approach to still life. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, I guess I would say still life, but usually a subject in the still lifes is food. I guess I think of it that way more than I think of like food photography as its own genre, because I'm not so often trying to make food like super appetizing. Like I'm never trying to make like food porn, as people call it. Like, <laughs> I'm usually just trying to make an interesting photo before I'm trying to make something look delicious. Food porn is one of the most awful <laughs> hashtags created. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, We're talking about the pictures you took of uh, Chaz. They look like, uh, I mean, probably I'm completely wrong, but they look like a uh, human still life. Like yeah, in definitely. Composition, and also they all feel very still. Yeah, that's right. And that's probably just a result of like the tools I'm using. Like my camera shoots pretty slow. Like I can only sync with the strobes at 100th of a second. So 
I'm not normally doing any action and my strobes are like, they're cheap, so they have a slow recycle time. So, and I also just kind of work slower. Like I like just observing things rather than, you know, a lot of people are like shooting in natural light and just letting people move, but I'm pretty controlled with it. Do you use the flash during the day as well? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay, so let's talk about uh, behind the scenes and post-production. What's the secret uh, ingredient behind those very bright, uh, saturated colors? I usually walk around in the sun, so indirect sun, and I'm like, usually then can only photograph one side of the street if I'm outside, because I want to shoot what's in the sun. And I always have a flash with me, if one and then two, if there's somebody else who can hold the other one. Post-production, how long do you spend on average on a picture? Um, not too long. Actually, I have it down pretty fast. Like I, you know, kind of do the same process for everything. So 30 minutes maybe per image, sometimes longer if it's like there's a lot of dust or something, like if it's a tabletop with some kind of shiny object or something, obviously that takes longer. You will say that post-production consists only of 10% of the final product. Oh uh, yeah, it's pretty quick, but it is important because I do like, you know, consider the color and if the color tones are right. So sometimes I'll spend a little bit longer, like making sure the colors feel right or how I want them to, which sometimes isn't right, but what I want. Do you think you will be able to have the same effect on colors and light if you were shooting in another city? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. That's been a, a fear of mine, actually. <laughs> like I can never leave this neighborhood. I don't know, I think I would still be drawn to, you know, similar things, but I think I might have to spend more time searching for it than I do here. I visited um, California many times, and I feel like uh, you guys have the best light uh, in the Western world. Yeah, it's incredible. London, um, the place where we record this uh, podcast, uh, has an amazing light in winter, but not as good as the one that I've seen by the ocean in California. I don't know. I don't know what's about it. Yeah, I remember like always hearing about like, you know, you learn about golden hour obviously when you're learning photography and how it's best to shoot at sunset. But like sunset light in Ohio lasts like maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't really see the sunset. But then when I moved here, I was like, ah, this is golden hour. Like, because <laughs> it lasts like two hours. Light is important. And I appreciate the fact that you also asked yourself if your pictures will be so good also outside of San Francisco without that light. It's like the magic touch. It's just beautiful. Are there any artists you would like to work with? This helps me introduce the first column of this show because we talked about um, the photo shoot with uh, Toro Moi, your cover for his uh, single Ordinary Guy and uh, your pictures for his uh, Someone Anyone exhibition that we need to remind the listeners that they can visit the exhibition at the New Image Art Gallery in LA. So let's introduce the first uh, column of our podcast which is called Word on the Street. Word on the Street. For this column, Kelsey, I would like you to tell me about a cultural scene, a contemporary cultural scene you find particularly fascinating, or if there is a specific photographer slash musician or visual artist you love and you would like to collaborate with. Yeah, so I don't know if it's, it's I mean, I guess it's not current, but um, 
lately, I've been very drawn to like Japanese city pop music, and it's I thought of it because when Chaz was in my studio and we were doing his portraits, I put on a city pop playlist because I recently bought I think it's called Pacific Breeze, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's like a mix of just eighties pop from Japan. So I got you know really into that over this past year and. I've been listening to like Mariah and Harumi Hisono nonstop. And then that also kind of got me into then the Japanese ambient, like new age album from the 80s and 90s. But that like vibe of music for the portraits of Chaz was perfect. So, also, I think your visuals could match quite well that kind of music. And that Pacific Breeze compilation has a cover, in the cover, an illustration of. Uh, a place, I think it's uh, LA because there yeah. is a uh, thing. So maybe, yes, you could reach out to these uh, artists and uh, maybe propose them a collaboration. Yeah, that would be awesome. Photography wise, any photographer we should um, check out? Takahashi Yasumura. Yeah, so I guess in the same band, like, or the same line of Japanese influence, Takahashi Yasumura did a series called Domestic Scandals, which is just like objects in nice little scenes like around a house interior or outside. I saw one of them at the MoMA when I first moved here like five and a half years ago. It was a picture of uh, like a stack of toilet paper with a rose like in a little vase right next to it, which is funny for right now because toilet paper is such a like thing <laughs> that everyone needs. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about that work lately. I love um, Kiernan and Theo Vampanakis, if you are familiar with them. Theo is a pretty good friend of Michelle and I. Um, Michelle is the woman I style a lot of, like she styles a lot of the still life stuff with me and we did wardrobe snacks together. Michelle McGuire, Kiernan and Theo do some amazing stuff and also are kind of like doing these amazing collages like photo collages where it's they kind of remind me of like Ruth Van Beek but like using their photos so yeah. they're incredible. Well I think that was um, plenty of inspiration from your side and uh, for the listeners uh, don't worry about writing these uh, names down. <laughs> okay cool. Uh, you can uh, uh, find Kelsey's uh, inspiration, influences, and mood board on our Instagram page, synesthesia underscore podcast. Please uh, follow us and check it out. So that was a word on the street. Now it's time for our second column, private collection. Private collection. The aim of a private collection is for you artists to talk about music. So we would like to know about a record sleeve or a music video that changed your life. Do you know Bjork's video for Triumph of a Heart? Uh, yes, also today is Bjork's birthday. She's turning. Oh, sweet. that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, um, yeah, I love that video where the cat is her like husband and they're like having a fight or something. <laughs> it's so funny. I guess I'm always kind of drawn to the music videos and things that are like humorous. And I know I already mentioned Fiona Apple, so I think of her Not About Love video with Zach Galifianakis. It's, um, well, Zach Galifianakis is a comedian and they were, I guess, dating at the time and so it, the video is him like mouthing the words while she's singing it and 
funny. Would you ever consider exploring video? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have, and it comes up more and more frequently now, like with any work, like mostly commercial work, you know, clients are always asking if you'll do video. And it's something I do like thinking about, and I guess I like the idea of directing and expanding photography direction into motion. It's just always kind of daunting to think about the filming and everything else that goes into it, so. Have you been contacted by um, other artists after your collaboration with Noremoi? Um, actually, no, I haven't, but um, I would love to work on you know, more musician portraits and things because it was so fun. Maybe the first video from his next album will be directed by you, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. So that was a private collection with a little uh, talk about uh, your experience with the video since you mentioned the two music videos. And we are almost done. Uh, the last column is Slavers. Slavers. This is all about your taste in life's finest things. The things you look at and you say, if this is a nice, what is? <laughs> uh, we would like you to recommend us a local spot in San Francisco so that our listeners, when we can travel again, can check it out. And also an Instagram page you love. Uh, yeah, so my favorite place, I guess like bar and kind of music spot here is um, Royal Cuckoo. Um, they have two locations. One's called the Royal Cuckoo Market and the other one's just Royal Cuckoo. So the market is like this really small vermouth bar. I think I have wine, but mostly vermouth cocktails. And it's super small on the inside. There's like two tables and then like four bar stools, but they're always playing like really good vintage lo-fi records. So the last time I was in there, they were playing uh, Bill Dockett in his combo, the Fingertips album, mm. and it was just so nice. It's actually really close to my studio. My photo studio is in the Mission, so it's nice to have, you know, a home in both of my favorite areas here. Nice to have uh, a place where to head after a long day at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about Instagram? What makes you waste hours on Instagram? Um, I think my favorite accounts are the 80s interior, which is just like pictures of 80s interiors uh, that someone has like found in books and then they scan them in. Um, so I reference that a lot when I'm like trying to think of some set design, still life elements. There's just so much good stuff happening in the 80s. Very aesthetic decade. <laughs> Yeah, so good. Um, and then I also love uh, Dust to Digital, um, which you probably know of. It's the like music research and restoration like project. Um, yeah. And they just post like really incredible videos of different musicians from you know various times. Like some you are even kind of current, but I might contact them for uh, an episode of this podcast. Oh yeah, that would be great. That would be great. So Kelsey. Mm, this was uh, amazing. Uh, we talked extensively about uh, your uh, background, your collaboration with uh, Toro et Moi, your um, sources of inspiration, your influences, the artists you would like to work with. And it was um, really interesting to know more about uh, you, your career and this project. So thanks a lot. Thank you. That was fun. You just listened to Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast.